Welcome to our podcast. As a matter As of a matter of black. Come on, man. No, 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 no. I set it up just right. Okay. As a matter of black, here we are. Again. <laughs> well, anyway, I'm Bowie. I'm back as Bowie like, still. Back like you never left. I was gonna bust a freestyle, but I'm a, I y'all ain't ready. You know what I'm saying? You was gonna bust a freestyle. That's what's up. <laughs> <laughs> it's the big step of Bali. Great. So yeah, excited to be back. You know your favorite uh kinfolk and skinfolk yeah. to record episode of as a matter of black you know as usual we're always just so happy to be here i'm always happy to be recording it, it does really make it's it's very um cathartic you know what i'm saying and um so yeah we're just excited to be recording another episode towards the end of the year super happy you know that people are still listening still rocking with us liking sharing posting asking about you know answering our polls and questions spotify and all the things yeah keep it up yeah the spotify rap just happened i didn't i didn't see the stats but i heard we did okay yeah i saw the stats and i will post them um soon <laughs> just as soon as i get some time Ooh. <laughs> no no rush I know everybody's doing their raps now. Let me tell you about Spotify, though, and how they play me this time around. Like, and it really tripped me out because I was like, really? Or whatever. So, like, I went to go, I went and did the, the podcast rap because that's cool. It gives you all the stats and, like, data around impressions and people listening and downloading and things like that. And it also talks about, like, where you rank in regards to, like, the amount of content you've created, in, you know, um, versus other content creators or whatever i thought it was a really cool like statistic like dashboard or whatever for the podcast so then like i saw people sharing their personal ones and like one of my friends sent me his like via via twitter dms and i was like okay let me see what mine like say and you know i must have went to go do my what's it called wraps i went to go do my wraps and Spotify had the nerve to tell me that I didn't have enough minutes listened on Spotify that they can't do my rap for me. So I don't even got one for this year. Word, word. I was like, I feel like it's crazy because I feel like I listen to just as much. Now, I will say I do got that Apple Music plan or whatever, but like, I thought, feel like I listen to Spotify just as much as I listen to Apple Music, but child, let Spotify tell tell it I don't have enough data to hey, do a rap. Hey, they some do boys at times. They are some do boys. They will do you. They will do you in. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I got my Spotify wrapped. Uh, I wasn't. But I have been in that situation where you where you are where they said I didn't have enough minutes before in the past. Uh, but all I say is, uh, on another note, with Spotify this week people started doing they Spotify rap and they uh, Insta uh, fest. Oh, 
Yeah. Based off Spotify. And I was pissed off at my Insta Fest. Yeah, same, same. Because, because they gave you like two options. They was like the last two weeks, the last six weeks, and then they did all time. So I know what I've been listening to for the past couple of months. I ain't been listening to but like three different people on Spotify. And so I was like, let me go to all time, you know what I'm saying, so I can have me a three-day festival. And don't you know, they had the nerve to still have me at a day festival. I didn't even get two, three days. I got one day. It's like I've been listening to five artists all time my whole life. And I'm like, no, this, this is incorrect. You know what yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying. And then on top of that, it was it was people that I listened to like like it was one it was one local person in particular. They had an album that dropped like uh, probably like two years ago, and I listened to the whole album two years ago, and they was in my top. I'm like, hold on, I ain't listened to the album in two years. Mm-hmm. You know but uh, you know what I'm saying like that was a. Uh, that Instafest uh Spotify, you know, that kind of pissed me off too. Uh so we we both got a little, we got some semi-beef with them, but we're gonna appreciate them for letting us stream as a matter of black on they on they site too. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. And the data that they put out for as a matter of black was like really cool. It kind of made me feel hey, well, Spotify will. I know we just talked crazy about you just now, but like y'all need to come with with the with the stuff. Now, I don't know if it's a contract or a package or a sponsorship. I don't know how it works, but like whatever it is, whatever whatever tier we we need to get on, I feel like we at least at tier one. We need the we need the tier one package. Yeah, we top of the line all the way. Yeah, that's how I feel. That's how I feel too. <sighs> so we, 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 I heard okay. they cancel Jesus and Miro. We need a booing in Bali. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, they kind of, and they, no shade, like, they kind of started to just kind of taper off for me after a while. Like, I really did enjoy when they kind of transitioned to TV or whatever. But then, even still, I was kind of like, I don't know, like, I don't know. So, yeah, they can't, that's, that ain't even a show no more. Surely they got, what they was paying them, they could pay us a, a portion of that. Give us our flowers and our money. We want the bag. We want to, we want to secure the bag, too. We want reparations in all the things. Yeah, oh, we need that. We need that. That's for sure. Reparations. Mm-hmm. Bro, I, I got a whole reparations dance that I do. Oh, I can't wait to see it for Kwanzaa. Yeah, I'm gonna do it at Kwanzaa. For sure. Great. <laughs> all I need is a little ashe uh, brewing beer, and then it, it, it's going down. It's gonna pop off. It's gonna pop. Oh, <laughs> same, I'm gonna be same. dancing like Bobby Brown. Can be looking like Teddy Riley during the uh versus. Oh um, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dancing like Bobby. Woo. Okay, that's enough. That's enough of playing around. <laughs> <laughs> so we want to definitely uh jump right on in. I heard a little birdie told me that you may have you may have come across another white on white crime. For the white on white segment, I need uh, I need some theme music when I go into uh, I know. you know white on white violence and crime. But yes, I, I yes, it's true. Yeah, you know it's true. You know what I'm saying? That's that's what that's that's uh that's the theme music right there. Okay. Uh, you know what I'm saying? We got another white on white. 
crime segment. I'm talking about white on white violence. And this is sad right here. This is very sad right here. Uh, man. So, married couple arrested after pregnant Arkansas woman and her fetus are found dead in different locations. Mm. Uh, young lady by the name of Ashley, 30 week, 31 weeks pregnant, vanished after corresponding with a woman she met online. Apparently, Ashley was 31 weeks pregnant and came across uh, a person online that wanted to hire her. So she was trying to get a job. You know what I'm saying? And uh, the two people who have been responsible for her killing her and her unborn child, man, that's, uh, you know what I'm saying? They uh, allegedly, they've been charged. Husband and wife couple, Amber and Jamie Waterman. Uh, they got they got booked on suspicion of first degree kidnapping and uh, are, are charged with murder as well, too. And the motive is real unclear. But uh, the lady Ashley disappeared as she was corresponding with a, a somebody named Lucy online. She was looking for a job uh, working from home. And so they met at a convenience store in Arkansas, uh, probably mm. about 30 minutes outside of Benville. And, you know, when she went missing, everybody started looking for her. And they ended up finding the bodies of the young lady and her unborn child in two different locations, all the way somewhere in Missouri. Uh, you know what I'm saying? This is wild to me because, you know what I'm saying? Like, normally, you see victims of violence and crime. A lot of times, there's some type of personal relationship to it. Uh uh, a lot of times the motive is, you know what I'm saying, personal motive, but this is just random act of like, you know what I'm saying, they basically lured this woman into basically meeting them for a job working from home and then killed her, you know, 31 weeks pregnant. And man, you know, that's just wild to me because these internet streets, they is not safe. And we seeing a lot of white on white crime on the internet, people using social media, people uh, faking like they want to give you a job and let help you make some money, some income, and you know what I'm saying? A pregnant woman on top of all of that? This white on white violence. Man, it's on a whole nother level and that, that's just, you know, that's just what all I got to say on that. We got to watch out for people online because these uh, these these killers, these kidnappers, they lurking behind the scenes. They use a fake profile. What they say, they call it catfishing. They're they using catfish profiles and luring the most vulnerable people, pregnant women, out. And you know what I'm saying? We got, we got to watch out for y'all. We got to watch out for people. But more importantly, it's white on white violence. It's been a problem historically. We ain't got no amnesia. It's been historical. But we've seen white on white violence. And like I say, this this motive hasn't even been determined yet. But they did give book both of them on uh on not only kidnapping, but you know what I'm saying, murder charges as well. And like I say, man, that's just some sad stuff when they you target the most vulnerable people, like uh, a pregnant woman looking for a job.
crazy. Oh, yeah. Now, they definitely were on one. I mean, that is, I don't even almost, I mean, I'm almost speechless about this, this segment of white on white crime. But once again, I just always say, you know, we, 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 everybody's just got to be appreciative of, you know, I'm saying somebody like you bringing this type of news to the forefront because people should be, people should be aware. Now, what, now, where did this take place? It it started off, it started off, they met in Arkansas in a a little town called Maysville, which is in Bend County, Arkansas, about 30 minutes outside of Benton. And then the bodies of the pregnant woman and the fetus, like I said, she was 31 weeks pregnant, uh, were found in two separate locations. In Missouri. Oh my goodness. No. Yeah, yeah this this, 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 this this brand new news too. This this happened. This happened uh in November. So yeah. So have these people, have these killers been apprehended? Oh have yeah. They, they got they got arrested. They got arrested on kidnapping charges and when they and the FBI uh arrested them and then they got their murder charges not too long after that. So yeah, they are they are a they are off the streets. And like I say, husband and wife, husband and wife, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, I was shocked reading it because I thought it was going to be a, a crime of, like, we, we can't have a baby, so we're going to steal somebody's baby. They killed the baby, too. You know what I'm saying? So, hey, it was wild. It's wild, man. But, yeah, this this uh, this uh this happened. It started in Arkansas, ended in Missouri. Well, they definitely need to be punished to the ex- uh, fullest extent of the law, as they say, because this this white on white violence is getting out of control. Out of control, like James Brown spinning around. Oh my goodness! Speaking of speaking of out of control, yeah. I'll tell you what's getting out of control. Come on. <laughs> What's gotten out of control Speak. is Major League Sports and their inability to not be racist. On, their inability. <laughs> their Come inability. On. Their their inability to not be racist and their blatant ability to support white supremacy to the to to no end. Yeah. And what one of the really, really weird stories that broke recently, I can't tell you when because my days and stuff, all they all run together now. But very recently, a photo surfaced of the NFL football owner of the Dallas Cowboys. His name is Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones, Arkansas native. Arkansas native, Dallas Cowboy, NFL football team owner. Yep. A photo of him resurfaced from, from way back in the day. I don't know, 65, something, 60. 1957. 1957. A photo of him being a part of a mob to stop black students from integrating a high school here in Arkansas. North Little Rock High. 
And I feel like what's so crazy about this story is that like there has been so few like I don't even know. Like nobody's really been talking about it as much as I would expect. There was like a few articles, you know, I I read about it. Maybe one or two videos I seen posted about it. And then it kind of just blew over 100%. People were almost like, oh, we're not surprised. He's racist. Or we kind of already knew he was racist. But like, you know, what's for dinner type thing. Mm-hmm. And I really found that to be offensive because so many times black public figures, black high profile figures have mishaps that may or may not be, you know, to the to the highest extent. They may or may not be extremely criminal. They may or may may not be like, you know, a, a super big deal. But like it doesn't it seems like it doesn't matter what they do. They're always 100 percent punished. They always get a perp walk. They're always paraded in public as like the worst human being ever known to man. We have so many examples. Michael Vick, the mm -hmm. a prominent example. Mm -hmm. When apparently he was fighting dogs or pit bulls or something, they perp walked that dude to no end. You mm -hmm. could not turn on the TV and see this notable football, football, right? Football, yeah, player. football player, yeah. Okay, you couldn't see a notice notable football player being punished and berated by all of America and all of society due to a pit a pit bull fight. They threw this man in jail. He could have lost everything he had. He did. Okay, <laughs> I figured for the most part he did. I figured he did, but hell, I don't know. I know he went to prison. Yeah, he, yeah he, 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 lo he lost he lost it all. He got some of it back, but he, he lost it okay. all. You know what I'm saying? So, he, went, he went from being one of the highest NFL players, uh, paid players, I'm sorry. And, uh, you know, he signed a contract that uh, was, at the time, was his, was a was a uh, historical contract because he signed for, like, I'm going to say over $100 million. And at that time, a lot of football players weren't receiving that type of money. If it wasn't a hundred million, it was close to it, and then you know, man, he lost that whole it, whole contract because you know that wasn't guaranteed because he wasn't playing. So you know, I mean, it's really frustrating. This type of stuff is really frustrating to see in this day and time because we already know and understand that like the tables aren't the the playing field ain't level for a lot of black people in in this country to begin with, but then we get us constantly get slapped in the face. Every time we see something like this happen, when there's a crime committed with on on from a black person, a black man, a black woman with status, with money, with power, there's always extreme punishment, extreme beratement that's that's happening on their end. When it happens on to to our counterparts, we don't see the same energy. We don't experience same type of punishment we don't get the same type of coverage of something like this and it's really just like business as usual and I think anybody that can put this story and any other story up against like 
other historical instances where black men have been stripped or black women have been stripped from everything that they have and have worked for because they made a mistake or they committed a crime. Like you can't say that that this isn't a stark contradiction. I mean, we literally are seeing this in live time. And what I when I say that, I'm talking about, you know, uh Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he shared uh, a screenshot of a movie that was streaming on Amazon Prime or sold on Amazon Prime or whatever on Amazon. And, um, you know, the scrutiny he went through because of some of the things that were said in the movie, he didn't do anything but share it. But the brother was made to pay $500,000 to um to I think an anti-hate group organization, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was he had to have a meeting with people in the Jewish community, uh sensitivity classes, he had to apologize. Um and he uh was suspended without pay mm-hmm. until, until they wanted to reinstate him on the team. All of this for a tweet now. And after he apologized, the questions kept on going on and on. He was getting berated, criticized by other black uh, sports figures and commentators, retired people, all this type of stuff. You know, and then, you know, they, they got mad at him again because the Hebrew Israelites showed up to the arena during his first game back. Like, like he called them to come out there. You know, anybody that know the Hebrew Israelites, they go stand wherever, on whatever corner they want to and do their thing. So all over know, the world. All all over the all everywhere, you know what I'm saying? So uh, Kyrie did not uh set that up. So, but you know, then, then we switched to this September 9th, uh 9th, 1957. Jerry Jones is standing in front of a violent mob, mob. Of, of white teenagers and adults to stop the entrance of six African-American young teenagers, men, young men, uh, from getting into North Little Rock High. And I'm going to lift their names up real quick because people okay. don't, don't know their names. North Little Rock Six. This wasn't the Little Rock Nine, like some of these uh, publications said, stated. It. This this had nothing to do with North, uh, Little Rock Central High. This is North well, Little Rock High. These I said that's what I mean. They didn't even do the due diligence of the story. They just want to throw it out there. They didn't get the facts even right. Yeah. So this was North Little Rock High. These six students were students at Scipio Jones High in North Little Rock, and they were trying to integrate North Little Rock High, which was all white at the time. And the six students, uh, Richard Lindsay, Gerald Persons, Harold Smith, Eugene Hall, Frank Henderson, and William Henderson, all were attempting to integrate the school. They were turned away uh, in, and from a violent mob, and these students did not return to North Little Rock to try to get back in there. Uh, there was no National Guard there to protect them. 
And, and Jerry Jones was in the middle of it. And, you know, he could say what he wanted to say about him being out there that day, but he was not there to welcome those six students. And we don't know what extent he went to to deny them in there, but he definitely was there to deny the interest of those young, uh, those, those young boys at the time. And yeah. the crazy thing about uh, North Little Rock, because Little Rock Central High, the Little Rock Nine, they got to attend school that year, and Ernest Green eventually ended up graduating later on that spring. But in this case, the first black students to graduate from North Little Rock High was 1967. So a full 10 years later, that's how long North Little Rock High stayed segregated. Well, close to being 10 years because those students uh, that graduated, I believe they spent a couple of years at the school before they graduated. But 10 years later, that's all I'm saying, when they got their first African-American graduates. That's so. wild. All because of Jerry Jones. Hey. And they got violent with those kids. That's why those kids didn't return. They chased them down for blocks. Uh, they physically harmed them. Uh, and then there was, and there was no, like, uh, no acknowledgement of what happened with them. Uh, they didn't even get recognized publicly until I think the early 2000s. But this is how crazy it was back then. Even the school board in the North Little Rock at the time, this is 1957. Uh, it was in 1955, I want to say, that they voted to integrate North Little Rock uh, School District. And so it took them two years for the first people to even try to integrate after they already ruled it in the school board. Uh, so, you know, we got a Jerry Jones. He can say what he wants to, but I don't, I'm like, where's the demands for him? Where's his demands yeah. to meet with black-led organizations? Where's his sensitivity? training in classes or signing up. What school district is he meeting up with to donate some money? Where's his donation going? I mean, all the stuff that y'all wanted, we want, we need the apology. We need the donations to the black community. Where are the anti-hate standards when it's white men? Why hasn't he hired a black coach yet? He's never had a head black coach. About 90% of his players are, are, are black. But he hasn't hired one black head coach in the 30-some years that he's owned that organization. It's the same man that told people, told his, uh, told the media and, and told his teams when that national anthem is playing, I want your tones on the line and I want you standing up. This after the Kaepernick protests. He demanded that his players stand for the national anthem with their toes on the line. This that's a quote. Quote right there. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, where's all the where's all the backlash? You know what I'm saying? Like, this is what Kyrie Irving was talking about. When something happened in my and uh y'all did all this to me, y'all all up in my grill asking me about am I anti-Semitic and all this type of stuff. Let's keep that same energy when it's something that's hurtful to my people. But here it yeah. is right here. And we obviously we see the same energy is not being expended on this no and i mean i feel like when is it gonna stop 
you know, would be a really great question. Like, we never see, like, white men in this country, period, don't ever have to take accountability for nothing that happens. Like, they go unscathed for almost every single violation that they commit. You know what I'm saying? And, like, it also makes you feel crazy as, like, a Black person to make these sorts of comparisons. Like, when we talk about Black people that, you know, have transgressions or do do wrong things, we're not saying that, like, we don't want to see those people experience some form of punishment. But it's also weird when you walk around and you see white men do the same thing and have no uh, consequence to speak of, you know what I'm saying? And so it's almost just like, damn, like, I don't want nobody on on either side to experience like violence or pain or hurt or anything like that. But it's crazy when you like, I think about the OJ Simpson sort of verdict a lot of times because I mean, people were killed, you know what I'm saying? Families were broken up in that whole thing. You had a whole line of victims, you know what I'm saying? Past, present, future victims or whatever. And it was a wild time because Black people from here to like Timbuktu was just like, nah, like he ain't do it. Like we really don't even care kind of thing. It's really mm-hmm. was like the... the the sentiment, you know what I'm saying? We don't care if he did it or not. But, like, we kind of just don't want him to go to jail for this. You know what I'm saying? Like, or some people was emphatic about the fact that they believe he didn't kill them and there wasn't enough evidence and so on and so forth. And then on the other end, like, white people were like, nah, like, he need, you know, you gotta throw him up up underneath the jail. And so it's also interesting, too, from that point of view when you have, like, people who were certain that like black men deserve to be punished to the fullest extent. Like they don't deserve no grace, no mercy, no nothing. It don't matter if something happened a hundred years ago in the case of Bill Cosby. And like every five seconds you turn around is something, some, some, some allegation that came out, you know what I'm saying? That, that, that took place in the 40s or the 50s or the 60s. And it's like, okay, well, these people still alive. We want them to be punished and they got to be punished now. We're going to throw the book at these people. But then you got old girl that was carrying, over, carrying on over here with Emmett Hill. You know what I'm saying? Over here pulling AARP benefits. You know, living easy. Kicking it. Drinking lemonade, sweet tea on the front porch. Living for the city as Stevie Wonder said. <laughs> So I'm just like, yo, like make it make sense. Don't be blatantly doing stuff in our face and try to make it seem like it's us that's like bugging. Like none of us are bugging. Like we watching this whole thing happen and unfold right in front of our eyes. You y'all made that Kyrie Irving do do uh, had a whole list of demands for Buddy. They, over, they, they overdid it. Quickly, though, quickly. Like, the thing, the press conference came out and then Buddy was losing. I don't even know who Buddy is, by the way. But, like, when they were, when I saw the press conference and they ran it back or whatever, and then I just saw all these articles about all the things that he lost. 
like that day, the next day, not even like, not even like in a week's time, like you talking about, you know, 48 to 72 hours later, he was losing stuff. It was constantly losing stuff, having to pay fines, losing endorsements, having to be suspended. That's wild. This stuff with this Jerry Jones dude has been has happened for at least a week or two weeks. I don't know at this point, but we see no consequences for him. What has he even said for himself? Has he written a statement? Has his he PR team even said something? Like he ain't even said nothing for himself. And y'all, and we just gonna let it. If we just gonna sit back and let, and it's all just happening. The most he just said was that he uh, was being curious, and basically he was being disobedient towards his coach because his coach told him that he didn't need his football coach told him that he didn't need to be nowhere near that uh, the school when that uh, those young men were trying to integrate. He said he was just being a curious boy, basically. <laughs> and that's the other thing. You get to be a curious boy. You being a curious boy stopped the integration of a, a major high school in the state of Arkansas all because of your curiosity. So you want to attach some in, you want to attach innocent words and innocent innocent concepts to your races vile behavior when in fact however innocent you may have been even even in your innocence you were creating destruction so so you could be curious and you could be destructive at the same time your your curiosity and your questioning your intuitiveness behavior did does didn't didn't do good in this occasion it did harm to people to many people so he definitely, he definitely went down there to be a part of the welcoming committee <laughs> so so it so we it it um, when we publish this episode we gonna have a list for mr jerry jones a list of demands for jj for jerry bear yeah i want him to meet with uh I want him to be with Dr. Umar Johnson, <laughs> Minister Louis Farrakhan, and uh, I'm gonna just uh, yeah, we gonna we gonna need we gonna need him to send some money to Asada Shakur, mm -hmm. uh, and we need him, and we needed it. We need him to spend the whole NFL draft next year drafting nothing but HBCU football players. <laughs> And giving them max, and giving them max contracts, and we need an all black uh, stepper squad for this for the uh, leaders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An all black stepper squad, and he, and he need to. Uh, he probably needs to. Uh, yeah, we need we need to we need some stake in that franchise. We need some stock options on okay. the Cowboys to nothing but black people. Yeah, he need to go ahead and just give. Yeah. yeah, just give do a raffle or something where only black people can uh, receive stock for free. Yeah, uh, we want blankets. We want NFL blankets and seat seat cushions to all the NFL fans. 
to all the Cowboy fans, seat cushions because you know your butt get a little tired on the bench. I never been to an NFL game. I just assume your booty be kind of hurting. And it might be kind of cold because, you know, football happened in the winter. So they we need blankets and cush- seat cushions for everybody that's an NFL fan. Uh, yeah, and I'm a, and I'm a, I'm a, my demand is that they change their name from the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> they gonna have to be the Dallas Drip Squad. You know what I'm saying? We uh, we we changing the colors. They wearing red, black, and green and gold. You know uh, what I'm saying? No more Cowboys with that star emblem that remind me of Cowboys and Sheriffs. We changing that emblem. It's gonna be the Lion of Judah, uh, with locks. Wait. You know what I'm wait, saying? wait! I just not expect that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with the Dallas Drip Squad. Or is it, or or the, we gonna change it? Or if they if the if the line of Judah is offensive to people, we gonna just put three flame emojis in the middle of the field. That's gonna be the that's gonna be uh that's gonna be the emblem. That's gonna be the logo for the team. Oh, they, three flame emojis. I would like to see. You know, saying how when they do like the pink, when they do pink for breast cancer month and stuff like that, I would love to see like red, green, and gold socks for like Juneteenth and or Black History Month. Yeah, I would like to see that because that that would be dope. Yep, we gonna uh, we gonna make we gonna make we got we got to get Doctor Umar on this, Doctor Umar. You know what I'm saying? We need we need some of your assistance. Uh and we're gonna get a we gotta have we gotta have a black woman in there to speak for us too. Who do you suggest? Oh, that's a great question. Cause the cause no shade. A lot of the black women that I love and respect, they kind of done went on the glory. Um already, so but I know I know you got one suggestion at least. Right, I was gonna say we might gotta put a pen in uh put a pen in that. Um, I ain't got no, I don't. Sorry, unfortunately, I'm sorry, very sorry to the ladies. Already, well, you know what I'm saying. Um, I'm gonna just put Ava DuVernay be on hold. Mm. We we might we might need you to come through and uh speak for us, sister. Okay, yeah, she she might be. I'm not gonna be too mad at her. It's this one lady. I can't think of her name though. I think her first name is like Joy. I can't think of her last name. So you see Sweet how well versed I am. Sweet Joy. Okay. okay, so yeah, we we gonna have we gonna we gonna tighten up the rest of the, the demands that we got. You know that we kind of have a concept around, but not fully. Outlines and we gonna we gonna post it in the description of our of, of this podcast. Let's go. A doctor, uh, sister, sister of what's, what's buddy name with the um head wrap and the unk um a fua a tune day or something. Her that that lady. Okay, let's get it. Her, yeah. Her and Umar be fit in the same bucket, so we got to be consistent. Because I feel like Ava, you know, what I'm saying Ava Umar don't really oh, might really? be a little, 
maybe too conflicting for for old Jer Bear to understand what they what they want. Okay. But well, it was in the same kind of bucket. Okay. It might be in the digest. Doctor Umar, man, just stick to the mission. Don't be trying to go down into the stadium and ask for a piece of it to start your school. Just stick to the mission. <laughs> we need Dallas Drift Squad. Uh, yeah. Stock options. This, this, this is Judah is for me. It's the line of Judah for me. <clears throat> Whole lot of drip. <laughs> Step down, Jerry. Whole lot of drip. Oh, Lord. Okay. Wow. We got through that one. Yeah, so, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, I want to give a shout out to the live music scene here in Little Rock. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we got a lot. We got a, people, every time, you know, I said I have people come in from out of town or people visiting for the first time here on business. You know, so I always try to make sure I take them to do a few things. Uh, for sure, we gonna, I'm going to take them to some good restaurants. Uh, you know, I'm going to take them to do some some good shopping, go to some places that, you know what I'm saying, that ain't uh, ain't national, but they here local and they do their thing. So local restaurants, some, some local shopping. Uh, and then I got to bring them to the local art scene, you know what I'm saying? And so uh, recently, you know what I'm saying, we had another venue closed downtown that offer live music. And I love to take people to go see uh, plays, uh, open mics, live music, karaoke, all that stuff when they come in town so they can get a, a feel for Little Rock. But we recently just saw another venue close downtown. And the reason why I bring it up is over the last few years, we've seen so many different venues shut down that provide entertainment young people that uh that help to bolster the arts community and scene here and uh man you know what I'm saying I'm just uh I'm just tripping off for the fact that we uh we lost another place and I'm talking about the library kitchen and lounge if you haven't been to the library kitchen and lounge you recently just closed doors permanently from what the Facebook post said and you know, uh, that's if you don't if you don't know what it is that that was where Gasanos used to be uh, before it shut down, and we've just seen just a number of places shut down. Uh, but I got a theory okay. on why why these places just can't survive the time. But I, I want to hear from you. Like, what? How, how do you feel about these venues in the river market? You know, in downtown Little Rock, shutting down the ones that's providing like entertainment and music and all of that. Yeah, I feel like, you know, it's really hard for me to sort of like feel bad or really like make an assessment about it. Really, like, I started going downtown right like when I turned 21, but like, I wasn't a frequent like downtown person you know what I'm saying because I wasn't like when I first turned 21 I wasn't like a drinker I didn't really start drinking until like my mid-20s but if I did go downtown I would specifically be downtown for live music like yeah. that was something I really got into you know post high school or whatever like I would go to a lot of uh 
music at the uh, at the Red Room because they provided like the type of thing like they had always had reggae shows there. They always had like, you know, back in my early twenties, it was a huge like neo soul, you know, um, uptick or whatever. So I would always go to the Red Room and I would always go to. Um, Sticky Fingers because Sticky Fingers too would bring some of the more like unorthodox like soul jazz like blues reggae and rock you know what I'm saying like um, mm-hmm. uh, shows or whatever and then kind of as I got older and I started to get kind of a little more into drinking and I started to accumulate like more friends then we would go to places like we would go to actual clubs like Ernie Biggs you know because like Ernie Biggs was the club and by that time I was just going because I was drinking and me and my friends was drinking and you know it was a group of us and we would just all go have drinks and dance and stay out late. You know what I'm saying? It's one of the only places that really like stayed out or stay open kind of later in the river market scene. Yeah. But it's always just hard to like really understand what was going on because places would like pop in and out or like there'd be times where the red room wasn't having no shows for like my demographic. And then they would have some like kind of sporadically. Or the DJ at Ernie Biggs would kind of just be either doing the same thing, things that didn't really interest me, the music, or they we would hear the same songs from like early 2000s or whatever, and it just kind of be whack. With the library specifically, though, I feel like it was a really, 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 it was a really good concept, but it just wasn't executed that well. Like... Sometimes this is another thing to be confused me about downtown and the locations. Sometimes it's free to get in. Sometimes you gotta pay to get in, yeah. which is bothersome to me. Like, don't be trying to charge me. Like, you know, you go to the red room, you finna pay money because you're going to a concert. But if I'm going to a place like the library or this new place like Cannibal and Craft. Don't be confusing me because if I'm trying to go there and I'm bringing my friends and say, hey, like we're meeting at this place. If I get to the dough, you charge $20. That's going to be a problem for me. Mm-hmm. I don't care what's going on. In the, I don't care what's going on because I was just here last night and y'all was, I got in for free. It wasn't no problem. Um, Inconsistency with the kitchen, with the, with the bar, with the bartenders and the drinks, mm-hmm. these high ass prices of everything like we live in little rock there should be no reason why i should be paying 15 20 dollars for a cocktail inconsistent especially like if you're paying this much money for a cocktail and i look around and what's happening around me is subpar like unacceptable um also the weirdness around like trying to enforce things like dress codes and like yeah. you know trying to trying to keep uh people uh trying to like I don't know sort of filter out the type of people that you want to be in your establishment unacceptable mm-hmm. so I don't know those are just some of the things that I feel like I observe I don't know if it's the reason why these places like come and go but I feel like it could contribute to it yeah, nah, it, I think you're right on 
Mark with I got a theory on some of these places why they can't, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> make it as well. And for me, you know, I look at things, um, I try to look at things from um, from a perspective as like a promoter, because I do promote occasionally. Artists, I perform sometimes, and I'm a supporter. Like, when I ain't doing no promoting, when I ain't doing no performing, if I'm out, I'm legit there to support, you know, businesses or support the artists and the promoters that are putting on events. Like, I love to support, you know, so I want I want people to have options, you know what I'm saying, out in the city. But the, the downtown is so interesting to me because, like you say, man, it's always a big opening and closing, shutting down and something else popping up. But I think it just needs to be stated. Here's my, my theory. Man, why do these places not survive in the river market or downtown? Uh, well, one of them, I heard they got high-ass rent. Mm. You know what I'm saying? We're talking about, you know, $10,000, $15,000 rent per month. That's a whole lot of money to be just spending just to keep the doors unlocked. And not only that, you know what I'm saying? You got that high rent. It's been so many changes to downtown that uh, don't make it as accessible anymore. With this highway expansion, we then took away a whole lot of free parking downtown. People used to love going downtown and getting their free parking in the daytime mm -hmm. or at nighttime. And they took away all the free parking lots. There are no more free parking lots downtown. None. Uh, you even behind the river market on the riverfront area, they 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 used to like not have people in that in that booth every day. Now it's every day. You know what I'm saying? You gotta pay to park. So so if you wonder why your business is struggling downtown, ask yourself, why do I want to sit here and pay five, six, seven, eight dollars to park to come eat in your restaurant? For an hour on lunch. Because then I'm going to go for there and spend between $10 to $25 on lunch. So we didn't you turn this. 15 to 30. Yeah. So we didn't turn this. We didn't turn this into, you know, a $40 lunch. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Parking. And, and, and don't forget to pay the meter. Then lunch going to cost. Close to $100 when you pay that ticket. Or more if you got several tickets. Mm -hmm. So that parking, that highway expansion uh, has taken away a lot of their free parking down there. Those parking spaces, now it's, they, they few and far in between now. So, you know, now you're going to have to do some walking. Now you're going to have to drive around for extra 10 minutes, look for a parking space, or go to a parking deck. You know what I'm saying? Uh, they, uh, I, I got issues with the parking decks too. You know what I'm saying? I didn't see people get their cars hitting parking decks, none of that type of stuff, and then come back out there. Are we not responsible for any damage done to vehicles or your car get broken into? But where y'all cameras at? Y'all charging all this money for parking in these decks. Where is y'all cameras at? You know what I'm saying? Uh, I just seen people get their cars broken into and hit, and they, and they, I don't expect the person that's 
uh, taking the money to know everything. But I'm just saying, like, owners of the parking decks, the city, somebody need to know something. But anyway, another thing that I uh, that I noticed, and I'm going to pick on the artists for a second, too. It's you artists in the community, too. Y'all, when these venues open up, y'all run down and find them owners and them managers and them booking managers real quick. Start booking y'all Friday and Saturday night events. Our party promoters do the same thing. Y'all run down on them real quick with y'all proposal. Do nothing. And so when you sit there and make all that money from these venues and you want to show appreciation to them, what are you supposed to do? You support them throughout the week. You go eat lunch there. You take your friends and eat lunch there. You support the bartenders. You tip good, all that type of stuff. Y'all don't be doing that. Y'all artists and y'all promoters don't be doing that. We don't see y'all at these venues unless y'all got an event. A lot of y'all. You suck You suck the business out of them. You can't sit there and do an event there once a month and don't show up none the rest of the month to tip the bartenders to eat the food. You don't spend you don't you don't spend no money and nothing but what you got going on. Yeah. You, you so stop sucking the life out of some of these venues and just showing up to, just to get paid, but don't want to show up to support. Because that's real. You know what I'm saying? Like when I'm gonna support you, I spend money with the people I, I I support. You know what I'm saying? And so if you if you support me, what I got going on when it's time to support you, I'm all about it. Let me come buy some of your merchandise. Let me uh, get you a contract. That's how we we, we reciprocated. You know what I'm saying? When I climbed the ladder, I put somebody up with me. And uh, I think a lot of these promoters and these musicians and artists got to understand, you can't just be uh, there for your paycheck and then don't never give back. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's called reciprocity. But that. And then I'm going to say the last couple few things and then I move on. Downtown. A lot of y'all lack creativity with y'all daily specials and happy hours. That's that's key. That's key. A lot of y'all ain't doing nothing doing for y'all happy hours. Uh, I mean, I, I, hey, if you if you want to take one dollars off the beer, that's fine. But that ain't really finna attract no big crowd just because you took a one one dollar off the beer. You uh, ain't. Yeah, you know, you want to offer some. You you ain't got no lunch specials ever. You ain't got no drink specials ever? Okay, well, that's why probably ain't nobody trying to come down there to spend no money with you. Uh, if your food is lackluster, you already fell. It's too many good cooks out here. It's too many uh, ideas on, on how to make food online. If, you, if your kitchen ain't, ain't, ain't cracking, oh, man, just, you know, uh, start from scratch, man. I'm sorry, but, you know... Uh, a lot of these places ain't got no family-friendly atmosphere. So if you want families to come down there and eat, then why don't it look welcoming to families? Now, if you want to just operate as a bar and a club, I get it. But a lot of these restaurants downtown let people bring dogs in there and all this other type of stuff. But when you get in there, ain't nothing family-friendly about it other than friendly people. So... uh you know, some of y'all need to start hooking up y'all kids' menus a little bit more. You can't, mm. all the kids ain't eating nothing, but you can't keep on serving chicken fingers and fries to the kids. Come on. All these kids can't, that, that, ain't, that ain't enough on the menu, okay? Uh, so do a little something. Y'all y'all ain't got no games going for the kids down there. Y'all ain't giving no little toys and coloring books and none of that type of stuff. I mean, teenagers, 
you, you ain't got no menu that they can order off of. They don't want to spend, you know what I'm saying, 10 uh $15 on everything up in there. So get your creativity up and get your environment going a little bit better for families. Uh some of y'all don't appeal to different demographics in the downtown area. We go in there, we don't see nobody but y'all running and operating the place. If it's us in there, sometimes we only in the kitchen. Uh, you think I'm gonna come in the restaurant where I don't see no, none of my people working? You know what I'm saying? You think I don't want to? Front of the house. Front yeah. of the house. Yeah. So y'all don't feel different demographics. You think I want to come in your venue? I never got no R&B. You never got no hip hop, no reggae. All you got is dueling pianos and uh, acoustic guitar players and country and rock music. Ah oh, man, you know what I'm saying? You don't want us up in there. So that's that's another thing. And then um, I'm going to just leave it at that. Y'all could be doing a whole lot more if y'all put a lot more effort into it. And be consistent, too. Some of y'all be having some weird hours. You, Ooh, we, 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 we look on Google. You say you open and you're not. Then you just want to close doing a random Monday or Tuesday. I mean, what what is the deal? You ain't open on Sundays. If you downtown and you ain't open Seven days a week, you don't want to make no money. You don't no. want to stay open. Because yeah. downtown is the area where all the money be at. Why? Because that's where it ain't nothing to do downtown but spend money. Ain't nothing residential down there hardly. You know? So y'all got to I gotta get your weight up. Because You know what I'm saying? These breweries is popping up left and right. Uh, people is figuring out creative ways to go food with other things and do other stuff. Get your happy hours together uh, uh, to the city and people own that stuff downtown. Man, y'all rent too high. So many people can't even afford it. You're going to be walking through downtown. It's going to look like a ghost town in a little bit, but I digress. I mean, it kind of already looked like a ghost town, to, to be honest. Like, now I hardly even think about downtown as an option to go and do things or get food or go places because that's the other thing. Like, if you think about it, a lot of the expansion is is it ain't happening downtown. Like even developers or people who want restaurants or you know want to have a brick and mortar, you know whatever, they ain't picking downtown first. Yeah, they're kind of like we want to go out west. We want to go to Midtown. We want to go, you know, what I'm saying off of Ronnie Parham somewhere because it be it's high a really high traffic area over there, and so I feel like I'm noticing that too. Like. I can't think of a place that I want to go to downtown. It's one place I want to go to and it, that's a train. So, I mean, it really is not, it's no longer like a viable even area for for business anymore because you know what I'm saying? it Like you said, it's they're inconsistent and it's not really a cohesive like area for people to to do the things that, you know, a downtown market would suggest. So, maybe one day it'll get better. Maybe one day. So, that's the theory right there, y'all. We didn't gave y'all the reason why these places be closing downtown. Yeah, hire us. Hire maybe, us for consultancies. Yeah, if you need some consultant work, uh, Come to Bowie in Bali. Uh, we opening up shop. 
Because we're tired of seeing y'all grand opening, grand closing. You know what I'm saying? I mean, come on. Yeah. We tired of seeing it. Then remember the one, I'm sorry. This is we we gonna wrap this up after this comment, but they had a there was this one coffee shop downtown. Way down there by the Clinton Library uh, Museum store. You probably don't even know. See, look at you being quiet. You don't even yeah. know. No, nah, I don't know nothing about what you're talking about. <laughs> I thought you were talking yeah. about Andina. I was like, yeah, they've been closed for a minute. No, 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 not Andina. It was another one on the other side, like down there by the museum of Discovery, like where. Um, oh, I know what you're talking about. I remember that place. I just don't remember the name. Yeah, I don't remember the name either because it stayed open for like less than a year. And conceptually, I think that, you know, they were really trying to go for something, but it just didn't work out because they had wild, mad, crazy hours. Their hours were crazy. They didn't know if they wanted to be like a coffee shop that was open at the crack of dawn, but they were selling beer, liquor, and wine. But then they closed like midday. It's like now, wait a minute. Now, y'all don't love living life. Y'all ain't trying to make no money. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not mad because I don't need a time to drink. You know what I'm saying? But most most people do. Like most people, only a select few people is out trying talking about can I get a glass of wine or this then you know whatever at 10 a.m. I would do. I do it. I do. I've done it plenty of times. But like most people ain't doing that. So you can't. And I'm not going to the coffee shop for that. <laughs> You're not going to go to a coffee shop for that when there's buku bars all over the city. Yeah. So anyway, we digress. Yeah, get your weight up if you're downtown, man. Let's let's figure out a way to, you know, what I'm saying if you're gonna open up a business, how to how to keep it going for longer than six, nine, twelve, sixteen months. Let's. Let's, let's try to build some longevity, I guess. But anyway. Um, so, yeah, I guess we could go ahead and move on to our final topic, which I think is a great, a great topic that I, I, I'm, re I'm really more so interested in hearing your thoughts about it. One, because you are a musician yourself. And two, it's because you really love the art form known as hip hop. Oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a, that's my culture, you know what I'm saying? But uh, you know what I'm saying? I feel like we've seen so much growth in hip hop over the last few years and a lot of it is because of the quality work that's been put out there by some of the vets in the game and you know what I'm saying? We've been seeing cats in their 40s and, you know, older, like, put out dope verses, dope projects, like, doing things uh, on a whole different level because we had this stigma in hip-hop that, like, once you 30, it's whack to be still rapping. And I'm like, nah, it's the only art form where people put an age uh, limit on when you can do this and when you should be done. Like, nobody does that. Country, rock and roll, gospel, jazz, blues, you know what I'm saying? But when it comes to rap, it's like, uh, you shouldn't, it's like, it's like this whole, like, it's immature to do that after 30 for some reason. I'm like, nah, man, if you love, love it, you 
you know, so you're going to do this. You should be doing it forever or for how long you want to. But uh, it's been some dope stuff going on. And then, you know, then the whole conversation, Nas dropped the King's Disease 3. And from, from the reviews I read and from my personal opinion, this series, this four album run that he's been on has been like epic. And he's been making some of the best music of his career. Like he got his first Grammy. People have stopped talking about his beat selection uh, abilities. And all of a sudden, he was getting a lot of praise for the King Disease 3. But 21 Savage, 21, 21, 21, 21. Uh, he says that Nas is irrelevant. And then a couple other people agreed with him. A couple other people said this. And I disagree, you know what I'm saying? Because you can't uh, base what somebody relevant off, base what somebody relevancy is off the fact that they're not young and they might not be getting radio play. We we listen to so much music in so many different ways on so many different devices that you could be the one of the biggest uh, touring artists in the world and not one major radio station plays any of your music. You know what I'm saying? Like we, that, like music is such a global thing, especially when it comes to hip hop. It's like, man, we got people that don't need radio that uh, strictly live off their websites and their own platforms and they touring. And so mm -hmm. I, I take it as I take it as disrespect, you know, when people start talking about who's relevant based off, you know, who got mainstream radio buzzing because we know the labels pay for that. The labels manufacture your your spins on the radio, they, they play what the labels tell them to play because they get paid to do that. But like people have fan bases and they can just go straight to your to the source and, and go get your music, you know what I'm saying, uh off your your sites and everything like that. And I think what Nas is doing is showing rappers like, yo, uh you can evolve, you can get better. He's he he Throughout his career, he's been known to work with certain producers over and over again. Yeah. And now he linked up with one of the youngest, hottest producers in the game and is making like magic. And so, like, I think he's giving folks a blueprint on how they can stay hot and even like, you know, reach another level musically because, man, anybody that's listened to any of those albums, they hear it in his voice, they hear it in the lyrics. He sound like, Lyrically, he's he 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 as cold as he was back when he was in his early twenties when he first got started, and so I think, man, we gotta respect the OGs more. OGs gotta respect the uh, the the newness in the game too. You can't be all over here uh, dissing their uh, their style of hip hop because hip hop is something that um, Encourage origin originality, and, and while I'm saying all this, I, I repeat the takeoff. Like, oh. man, you know what I'm saying? Like, anybody, I anybody listen to Migos, 
They'll tell you the person who had the best flow in the whole group was takeoff. I'd have had this conversation with so many of my partners about yeah. how, you know, Quavo, he good on the hooks. Offset, he he has memorable moments in his verses all the time that people just like latch on to. But when it came to just straight like delivery skills and, and, and creating this flow that any like that a lot of people started mimicking, it was takeoff. Yeah. And, and a lot of a lot of people uh recognized that in them since they first started blowing up. It was like, man, he might be the, the least visible out of all of them, but you can hear his influence in like the group because his, his rap style and his cadence was just like, man, it was like hypnotic, you know. But yeah, man, you know what I'm saying? Gotta show love to the vets and people who hating on the veterans and rap and all that type of stuff. I'm just like, yo. Uh, what do you think? What do you think this music? How does music? Uh, how how do you think this music stuff work? You know, you know, we all are influenced by somebody that's older, uh, and you know, we gotta respect the fact that they still doing their thing. Most most definitely, and Talib just dropped the album this year. Love, so, love it, man. You know what I'm saying? Do you know when they came in the game in the '90s? Man, they was like at the forefront of like people, like who wanted who had that style that that's that underground raw style. Yeah, listen to lyrics. Man, you couldn't mention conscious hip hop back in the day without mentioning most deaf Khalil Kweli and folks like Common. You know what I'm saying? But I like so everybody is just basically like ain't nothing new under the sun, and we just you know. I think we need to stop like shaming rappers for still doing it when they hit a certain age. We gotta stop uh, hating on younger people who come in and, and, and bring their sauce to to it. And uh I think we just need to appreciate it. Uh the culture of hip hop more because we dominating dominating the music industry, you know? Yeah. I think that I think you really actually summed it up quite well the only other thing I feel like I want to mention is that like to your point about what we gotta stop doing like young and young and old or whatever I feel like before you have a chance to talk about and bash or downgrade somebody and talk about their relevancy like you really need to try to stop and like show some respect you know what I'm saying like I'll be the first to mention like I I like historically ain't been like a huge Nas fan like people you know we I, I don't know if we talked about this before or not but like I think we're supposed to be if we already haven't but like everybody's kind of always got their you know systematic way of like talking about their top 5 10 20 in hip hop or whatever and you know what I'm saying, Nas would always come up, you know, and I I I really wasn't like a huge Nas fan like that. Like, you know, when Nas was out for me. He's still out. Well, I'm 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 saying like when he was sort of at his height, like it was who shooting, it was one mic, and it was like, I know I can, or whatever. Those were the notable Nas songs for me. And Uchi Wally, can't forget Uchi Wally. Um, <laughs> which is my favorite Nas song. Oh, sorry, it's Osiris's favorite Nas song. No, it's um, not. So, 
That nasty you song that you love so much. Nah, it's not. It's far from it. That's like that first off, you tripping. That was on QB Finest album anyway, so I ain't even tripping. So that was even a Nas single. You know what I'm saying? That was like a collaboration <laughs> compilation album. I ain't I ain't listening to you. <laughs> that ain't my song. That's your nasty song. Uh, <laughs> anyway, basically what I'm saying is that like I did not know Nas like other people knew Nas in his body of work. You know what I'm saying? I had to see Nas live the same way I had to see Kendrick Lamar live to sort of like uh, conceptualize like, okay, the, the magnitude of like this person. I still don't see it for Kendrick, but we ain't talking about Kendrick right now. But when I saw Nas perform live by himself, like on stage, just him in a microphone, this huge, enormous stage, like it was so incredible to see. And it really like, because I was there, like in the same room, like in person with him, it was very electrifying. And then like, I could pay more attention to like the lyrics and the production and the, you know what I'm saying? And like, the music itself and I really had a greater appreciation for Nas and what he means and meant to the culture like I feel like a lot of younger people and what's weird to me is like most young people like people my age and even younger always have Nas like in their top whatever which I find to be I, I like weird but you know whatever like if you a Nas fan and you you know you 28 and Nas is in your top five, then so be it. Like, I'm confused by that, but I'm gonna let you have it because, because evidently you got some, evidently you got some wisdoms around you, and people is at least giving you good music to love and appreciate, and you ain't no hater. But like, when somebody like 21 Savage, who I love, love 21 Savage, I think he's cool. I think he really has like, done a lot in hip-hop culture underground culture and like the type of music that he really came out with and the producers that he was able to you know kind of um introduce us to and vice versa i think it does a lot for the culture but i also feel like it's very disrespectful of someone of his magnitude to say that nas is of all things irrelevant in hip-hop like to me that's weird such a weird statement for you to make, and I don't really understand why. I don't understand why people make those types of statements in general. Like, everybody has contributed to the reason why you even, the reason why people are even asking you your opinion about hip-hop legends to begin with. Like, let's talk about that. The only reason why you even got a platform and that people know who you are is because of people like Nas, like, are on crack. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't talk like you don't on the narcotic like I think that's really my biggest issue my biggest like if you don't like somebody's sound if you can't really get down with them I think that's one thing but to say that they're not ir that they're irrelevant when they are when you're the, then they are the reason why you even exist is disrespectful completely grand opening grand closing <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, and I will also say, I didn't, I haven't listened to King's Disease three, but that King's Disease two, that 
now that I like that is like a no skip album and like that's what I mean by like relevancy like I don't know when Nas is when did he release his uh first album I think I want to say 92 because that's a long time ago yeah. like so he released his first album in 92 I think he released King's Disease 2 in last year was it 2021? Yeah. And it's beautiful. Like, it's a great album, great production, great beats, great bars, great. He's got, like, these really cool, like, interludes and, like, these really good, cool transitions in 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 that album. And I listen to that album all the time. Like, from, from someone who ain't, like, historically been a Nas fan. So just talking about like his relevancy, like the story he painted in King's Disease 2 was just so nice to me. And I feel like a lot of people weren't talking about it as much as they 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 should have been. I mean, everybody's talking about part three more so. So maybe I'll listen to it at some point. But like definitely uh King's Disease 2 for me really like made me feel like wow this dude is like extremely relevant in hip-hop culture same way i feel for someone like pusha t who don't always release music you know what i'm saying he made he takes really long breaks in between his projects such a relevant force in hip-hop culture and there's so many other people i think we can name that folks overlook because someone like 21 savage you know what i'm saying is is on the shade room or whatever talking 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 greasy on shade room well there's some music out there we gotta, gotta all you know send appreciate what we can definitely whoop i guess we've come to the end of 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 the show pretty lengthy this this time around but but you know it's been a minute since we recorded so no we got to give the people what they want. No doubt. So, until next time. Until next time, I'm Bowie. Bali, as a matter of black, peace. Peace. <laughs>